Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. We'd like to wrap 2020 with weekly live Q&A sessions here on the podcast. So after this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support this holiday season, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. Um, We're here to uh, talk about spirited and sensitive kids. Ours, yours, right? Mm -hmm. Here to parent for sanity and social change, considering uh, our power as parents Mm -hmm. and how we can practice powers beyond control, ultimately, in our relationship with our kids for that sanity and social change. We're also here to talk about our privilege, not just in the parent-child relationship, but as cis, white, able-bodied, straight, did I say white? I feel like we need to mention white. We're super white women um, and our responsibility to be dismantling, interrupting these cycles of control, of abusive power, of um, kind of these these institutions that are so normal and natural for us, this cultural conditioning we've we've (laughs) received that says a family is like any other institution. It's a hierarchy right? Feedback goes down the chain, respect goes up the chain. Um, that's how it works. And, and so much amazing research is coming out. And um, I think that as we are, are trying to lean into our best selves, our activist selves, we're trying to disrupt a lot of these impulses, this conditioning, um, these beliefs that don't do any of us justice, and not us, not our kids. Love it. And they don't feel that great, right? When we're disciplining our kids in ways that are are founded in control, when we're yelling, well, control is consequences on my terms now, uh, threats, rewards, overpower, lectures, and then we always throw in spanking and timeouts on top of that and shame. Um, That's not fun. It's not Mm -hmm. fun for us to do. It's not like we do it and we're like, oh, 
a day well spent. Nail that one. Nail that, baby. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't feel good for our kids. We have the best of intentions, right? When we're when we're going about this discipline thing with our kids, um, we have to keep remembering that parenting is not just about our intentions as parents. It's about the impact of those intentions on our kids. So yeah. that's what we love talking about. We, this is a shame-free space. This is a blame-free space, mm-hmm. hopefully filled with a little humor, a little wine, uh, a little relaxation, a little communion around um, mm-hmm. the fact that we're you're not alone, that we're all in this together, struggling and showing up and growing up alongside our kids. Yeah. Quick um, disclaimer, we're not doctors. Um, we're happy to recommend you to specialists if something's really going on and feeling <clears> wrong, <throat> get in touch with us um, or seek that help <clears throat> also. This podcast, these videos are explicit, um, and we mean like explicit and amazing, but like maybe you pop your earbud <laughs> in if you're under kid. We love you too. Um, <laughs> we keep it real. Yeah, keep it real we in this sure space. do. We sure do. Um, and so we want you to feel comfortable in sharing with us what's going on with your kids, your babies, your toddlers, your kids, your adolescents, your teenagers. What are you guys struggling with? Your partners. How are you struggling to meet your needs as the parent and the one responsible also meet the needs of your child in the moment, um, in, in the long term. That mm-hmm. is the issue. And that's what these power struggles are typically about is conflicting needs. How do we get both of those needs met? Damn, we got to build some skills to do that, right? Yeah. And I want to say someone, Molly, you started with a win. And I think uh, Ooh, uh, let's type with in, some if, if you've got something going, what, what the issue is, I love that. Uh, type that in and get that going, get that off your chest. But if you're also feeling like gosh, there's something that wonderful that happened today or better that happened today or or interesting that happened this week. Share that with Mm -hmm. us too, because I think we're always talking about the hard stuff and saying it's the good stuff, but we can also just talk about the good stuff sometimes and, and share, I think with everybody here, what's going on and how this, this, this paradigm shift in our discipline is paying off. It's an investment we always talk about. And I think that we want to keep sharing those wins because I think it helps buoy us uh, and it helps motivate Mm -hmm. other people who are just starting out on this journey. Before we even look at this win, I want to say, I don't want to look at it yet. Okay. I want to say that when we, people talk about sharing wins in parenting, mm. often it's about the kid conforming, being obedient, doing exactly what we say, all of these things. And I love bringing wins into this circle because it's often people saying, I, I tried not to yell and I didn't. Not my kid did this or didn't do this. Right. Or I, I weathered their tantrum for 30 <clears throat> minutes and I made it out on the other end. Or I yelled and then I apologized and we had this amazing connection together. Those are wins because everything we're doing here as parents growing up alongside our kids um, is progress, not perfection. It's taking little steps, little steps going along. It's the practice, right? It's the practice. Thank you for establishing that, Kelsey. I okay. appreciate it. Okay. Molly, you said, did my first day solo with all four babes today, and I have been clinging to the hope of watching you guys tonight. How did it go? Congratulations. That's you made it through. That's a win. Four kids. That's yeah, incredible. One of them a new baby. Like, way to go. Way to go. Amazing. Yeah. Any other wins? You survived. Uh, quote, unquote, wins, uh, as in progress, that anyone would like to share? And then we're going to dive in. Yeah. Not the wins some... like my kid did everything I wanted, but maybe uh, my kid was struggling and resisting me, and I tried to run the resist approach a little mm-hmm. bit, and here's how it played out in a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. Well, let's touch on those. I'm going to dive in because we have do so it. many folks chiming in here with situations. Let's yeah. do that. And then we'll maybe sprinkle some wins in. So if there are some things that you've been feeling good about and motivated by, mm-hmm. um, mention those too. We'd love to hear them. All right. So I'd love to know what you think about examples like, I can't let you continue to play with that if you hit me again with it. 
or spray paint on the wall again, etc., etc. Is this type of cons- uh, consequence consequence okay? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love talking about consequences and talking about in this case, I think what you're setting is a loving limit, mm-hmm. right? And I think oftentimes we're all like, we're trying to be respectful and we want to help, you know, not squash our child's spirit. And oftentimes that can lead us to not set any boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. And we always want to remind folks, and especially the husbands of folks who are concerned about this particular point, that respectful parenting doesn't mean not having any limits. And it doesn't mean not setting any personal boundaries. Mm -hmm. It means doing so, thinking about it very clearly beforehand, Mm -hmm. and then doing so with your child in a loving way. So for example, in this case- They're spray painting something or- Or um, they're gonna hit they're hit, they're, yeah, they're they're playing with something and they're hitting you with it. I right. think we talk about natural consequences. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's a natural consequence that if you don't stop hitting me, then we won't have dessert. Not a natural consequence, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think that, that that is connected to this idea that we have to um, create consequences ourselves. We have to, to think, manufacture, that, them. manufacture them. That this behavior deserves a consequence, which is basically <clears throat> a punishment which we do not, which is basically revenge, which we do not ever need to give our kids. We don't ever have to give them, give consequences or give punishments or give revenge for an action, a behavior, an impulse, a feeling, truly a need that our kids are having. The reason for that is because consequences don't teach kids what we want them to learn. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. we can get into a whole other side of those things, but I think sticking to this person's uh, wonderful question is saying, setting a loving limit, saying you're hitting me with that. I would maybe if I could move away, I'd say, I'm going to make some space. So before we put limits on kids, we can put set personal boundaries and teach them about that. So I'd say, you're hitting with that and it doesn't really feel good. So I'm going to move over here. Or could you not hit me with that? Start with that. Or you're hitting this plant that I like. I'm going to move it out of the way. I'm going to help you move your body towards something that you could hit. If I think the child is hitting me with something that could break, that's inappropriate for them to play with, mm-hmm. right? Or or isn't um, is hitting things that are inappropriate, like me. Um, then I would maybe say, if you're going to keep hitting me with that or hitting that hard with it, I'm going to have to take it away. Can I tell you why? Mm-hmm. Or maybe they know why, and you'd be like, why would we need to do that? Or remember, or, remember why we don't want to hit with whatever. Or it's well established. We're checking for understanding, even if right. it's well established, just to, to put it out there neutrally. And I think yeah. that this is something we talk about often is temperament of our kids. Mm-hmm. Sensitive and spirited kids being confronted with, I can't let you, or don't, or no, or I'm going to take that. That's intense. Um, right. It's very intense, and it creates a fear and uh, anxiety response in them, which can uh, often perpetuate the behavior more. Or just stress them out and make them do mm-hmm. weird stuff. Right. right. So we want to be sensitive based on our kids' yeah. sensitivity in our direct language. Some kids need that direct language. Mm-hmm. I can't let you hit me with that. I'm going to take it away. Other kids mm-hmm. need a little more fine-tuning, nuanced language like, oh, it looks like you're wanting to hit. I'm going to help you with this. And can I find you something or else? can you hit just that other thing or should I take it? Can what, I help what, you? What, what works best? Like, this isn't me. This is just, do you want to do it over there? Or should I grab that from you? I'm being so neutral now, so you're not like, mur, mur, mur on me. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I think in the back of all of our minds, we're like, why are we caring so much about how we say this everything? This is so permissive. Walking on eggshells about all of this. We just should just say what we need and what right. they should and shouldn't do, and they should just do it, right? There are two reasons why we do this. There are many more, but at least two I can think of right now. With <laughs> Number one, it's the, the quickest way to reduce a power struggle and to stop the behavior of them hitting mm-hmm. is to do it softly and lovingly and firmly. I gotta take this away. I'm sorry. 
Or you're looking mm -hmm. like you want to hit and I've given you this opportunity. Okay. That's, that's the reason is to just deescalate the situation, right? Reduce mm -hmm. the behavior. But ultimately, the bigger reason, so that's sanity in the moment. And then the social change reason, the aspect is that we're mm -hmm. teaching our kids how to treat one another. That when we don't like something, we don't use our power to overpower or disempower another person who's beneath us. We respectfully engage in a conversation mm -hmm. and set a loving limit, right? We want our kids to uh, understand how to uh, experience power and also how to use power. And so mm -hmm. that's what we're normalizing and conditioning in them in those moments. But I think that it is absolutely okay to set a boundary on yourself. I'm going to move my body or I can't let you play with that can because you're spraying it on the wall. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do with that? We, 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 where do we spray cans again? Can you remind mm -hmm. me? What do we do? On the or paper. Let's try again tomorrow. Let's try again later. Yeah. And then they have a big meltdown maybe. Mm -hmm. They really need that can. They got to have that can. They got to spray it right there because you brought it up a couple of times. So now they actually like need to. It's like in their, their soul. They must spray. This is just, I'm speaking from experience. Yeah. Um, and then we just welcome all those feelings. You really wanted to spray. Mm. You want to do that. We can run the resist approach there. I wish we could right? have stuck to the paper. It was tricky today. Yeah, it just, you were showing me you couldn't just do it right on the paper, and mm -hmm. I get that. Or kid is so upset, don't even say those things. Just yeah. nod. And you can follow totally. up with them later in the trust step of our resist approach that you can download Where on we our can website. Circle back. Remember when you were spraying me with the spray can and <laughs> instead of spraying on the paper? Oh gosh, we've got a lot of stuff here. Mm -hmm. um, that was rough. Yeah, I'm sorry I had to take it away. Ugh. I didn't want to do that. What can right. we do next time? Not like, so next time you're going to spray on the paper, right? That's the grill back. Right, the that's the grill back. back is saying, so you're going to make a better choice next time, right? And instead of grilling back, we're going to circle back and just say, it seemed like we're going to be neutral presence. It seemed like I was seeing, I noticed. What did you think? You were struggling with that. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm meeting you where you are right now, mm -hmm. not where I want you to be. Right. Right. It's a whole different framework and uh, mental approach. It is. What do we have going on? Spitting. Someone says, my three-year-old has <clears throat> recently been spitting seemingly out of nowhere, and I'm trying to tune into the need beneath, but also want to teach her, um, no, we don't spit um, mm -hmm. without any anger or shame. Spitting is a huge trigger for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Someone else said, oh my gosh, same with my two-and-a-half-year-old, spitting and telling me, shh, when I'm talking. Mm. Yeah. I love that. So spitting, oh man is like the the lowest of the low, the most feral, the most um, <laughs> wild, the most spirited kind mm -hmm. of communication. That's what spitting is, is communication. Yeah. Kids use spitting, not because they choose, well, I could say it, I could write it in a note, mm -hmm. I could do all these things, but I'm choosing to spit instead. Kids spit because they're trying to communicate and that's the best way they know how currently. Right. I want to also say that spitting can be fulfilling a sensory need mm -hmm. at times. Yeah. Just like yelling, just like yodeling, just like weird things that our kids do is showing us a need, whether it's an emotional need, whether it's a security need, whether it's a physical need, whether it's a sensory integration need. I just have to be like, systems, when my yeah. daughter would melt down as a kid, she would always go, she'd sputter. She'd sputter a lot. Like that was her just like, gotta get it out. It was very wet. Lots of sputtering going on. Tears flying, yeah. sticking on everything. Yes. Um, but I think that you, you touch on that well, Kel, I think that when kids spit, they're, if they're really dysregulated, it's because they're, they're, they're literally cannot control, mm -hmm. right? And then if they're not dysregulated, they're not totally seemingly losing out of it, nowhere, it's seemingly yeah. out of nowhere, I would say that they're clearly doing some sort of 
of, of nervous system need, mm-hmm. or maybe they've done it before and they're trying to, to bid and create some connection mm-hmm. and say, I'm uncomfortable inside. And they know that this got mom's attention last time, the time before, the time before. She doesn't like it. She's going to pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. She's going to notice that I'm struggling, mm-hmm. that I'm not comfortable. It's, it's like spitting can be a total meltdown, kind of a nervous system response meltdown, or it can be like a poke. I'm going to spit a little. I'm going to poke you a little bit, mm-hmm. right? It's a simmer, which I think we really struggle with with kids oh. oftentimes because you're like, either you're good or you're bad. Choose one of them. Uh-huh. And I think for me, I really Stop struggle. Stop torturing me in the middle. <laughs> I'm in, my kids are in the middle and they're mm-hmm. just like, I just feel so angsty and I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm going to just flip that thing off the table. I'm going to just flip that chair gonna, backwards. I'm going to go over to my little brother and just shove him in the back. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing where I'm just like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. They're mm-hmm. not having a meltdown and they're not like in the green zone. So it's not, mm-hmm. they're not red and they're not green. They're yeah. in that, like that in the middle, like murky brown color. Yeah. And that's really tricky to, to see that as the same, the same way we see in these others as totally natural, totally not intentional yeah. in a, in a really prefrontal cortex um, kind of judgment way. Yeah. I think spinning right. can be a, a form of dysregulation mm-hmm. and a form of experimentation. And I feel like that's kind of how mm-hmm. to wrap it up is being like, maybe yeah. they're just testing some stuff out. Try to be cool. Keep being neutral. Keep yeah. just taking your space when you need it. <clears throat> and if they're dysregulated, go to that need if there is one. Mm-hmm. How you doing? What's going on? Do you want to come in the backyard with me? Should we go for a walk? Yeah. And right? I think that if we are really triggered in those moments, we were talking about boundaries this last question. Mm-hmm. I think you could lovingly set a boundary. <clears throat> like It looks like you're wanting to spit. I want to connect with you about that, but we only spit in the bathroom or outside because it just gets germs everywhere and I don't mm-hmm. feel like it's safe. So we're honoring the impulse and saying something's under there. There's a root cause at, at play here. Yeah. So I want to honor and nurture that. But I'm also going to set a loving limit on you spitting all over my house. So I'm going to help you into the bathroom here. Let's chat about it. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah, they say, yes, thank you for sharing this. All makes sense. Read the spirited sensory simmer. Yes, oh, that spirited sensory simmer. simmer. It's, a doozy. it's a doozy. Hang in there. Someone says, have you guys seen the happiest baby guy reparents mirroring primitive behavior in toddlers? Mm, yeah. I mean, Harvey Karp. Yeah. Happiest baby. About that. I'm, uh, I've got some mixed feelings about Me Harvey. Too. Um, <clears throat> I think oftentimes it's, it's, uh, it's very validating for kids to feel, depending on the emotion that we're mirroring that emotion. Um, and that's a validating thing for them to feel seen. You're angry right now, baby, angry, that type of thing. But I think we can also do it in a really respectful uh, and mm-hmm. lower key way. Too. And especially as their co-regulator and their attachment figure. Mm-hmm. I think that kids who are really upset, seeing us look really upset, doing that mirroring is actually not helpful. And I think mm-hmm. we have to continue again to attune to our kid and say, what helps them? Is it looking as like excited as they are? <laughs> is it looking freaked out? Does that make them calm down? Think, no, it doesn't. I think when we can and our kids are dysregulated and doing those things, we want to try to be as calm and as neutral as possible. Because let's face it, 50% of the time or more, we're not. We are actually being the other toddler. We're mirroring that without intentionally doing it. Yeah. So let's keep the mirroring to our unintentional times. And intentionally, let's try to be the bigger person. Love that. Let's try to model um, calm confidence, <clears throat> security, problem solving, empathy, empathy, compassion. I see you're struggling. Yeah. I've got a concerned, but in control look on my face. Yeah. What would we want if we were losing it? What would we want our partner's face to look like? <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. Oh. 
Uh, oh, no. my, oh my god! Definitely oh not. My god. No, we would want our partner's face to be kind. <laughs> I would want them to be like loving. Okay, babe. Okay, totally. babe. Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. Hear that? We're on top yes. of this. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got mm-hmm. that. I got that. Whatever face our, yeah. we need our partner to do, try that on our kids, right? Yeah. Someone says my three and a half year old has been pushing his nearly two year old brother on the floor, and I was wondering how to set a boundary on something that's a hard no. How to set boundaries on big things? Yeah. Right. So boundary Mm -hmm. versus limit. So Mm -hmm. boundaries we like to talk about as personal boundaries. Like I'm going to put you down because you're pulling my hair or I'm going to step out of the room because that's really loud for my ears or, um, uh, what are some other ones? We don't have that many boundaries. I mean, or, Um, you know, like I can't, I can't sleep in bed with you. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to keep coming back to your room to support you. And then, but then we talk about limits in terms of we can't a limit on a child pull out the plant or we can't most of them are about safety or physical environment so Mm -hmm. we don't limit our kids words we don't limit our kids feelings Mm -hmm. Um, maybe if they're they're playing really messy we would create a limit about that in the kitchen and say it needs to be in the playroom or those types of things right yeah we're helping them problem solve we're creating limits there's security around those kids need limits yeah but i think that uh, around sibling conflict, around even just some of those limits, pulling out rocks out of a plant. I've set a limit to a two-year-old or a three-and-a-half-year-old. You can't dig into my plant. You so, can't push your sister. can't push <laughs> your sister. You can't do that. If our kids are showing us that they can't uphold that limit, then it's on us to be supporting them mm-hmm. in that. To be so, the proxy who's right. helping them. So it's so easy for us to think, okay, set the limit. I told them no bopping the baby. Okay, I told them no digging into the plant. I told them not that drawer of my not jewelry to keep stuff. watching TV or after. got to put down the iPad after this amount of time. Right. They should just do it, right? No. They are doing their best all the time. Our kids are always doing their best, the best they can. And it's on us to say, I set the limit. I guess they couldn't observe that. Okay. Back to the drawing boards or back to me showing them what that what that limit means. I'm going to stop your hand with the baby. I'm going to give you guys some space. I'm going to help you stop pulling the rocks out of the plant. I'm going to take that iPad away. I know you really want to keep watching, right? I get that. Kids' development is so tricky because it, it ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. So we get tricked into thinking, oh my gosh, one second they're really nice to their brother or sister. One second they can put down their iPad one second they can play with this thing responsibly Mm -hmm. and then the next second they can't and we have to keep remembering that the onus and the responsibility isn't ultimately on our kids to be changing that behavior and somehow showing it to us consistently immediately the responsibility in those moments is on us as the person with the bigger brain and the the wherewithal right and the responsibility to to support them and to scaffold those skills over time because Skills are going to ebb and flow. Kids are going to show us what they can do over and over and over, just like them learning a language. Mm-hmm. They're not going to say one word right or a sentence right, and then they're going to just speak perfect English. They're going to ebb and flow through language learning. Same with walking. They're going to ebb and flow through learning how to walk. They're going to fall on their butt a million times. Same goes with putting the iPad away. Same goes with having resisting the impulse to shove said little sibling, right, when the going gets mm-hmm. tough. Their brains just are not wired and do not grow in a way that is consistent and constantly growing, right? They're going to continue to do this. And so we have to notice when that happens and say, oh, that's where I step in. I'm their proxy. I'm that loving Mm -hmm. limit setter who's going to hold, you know, hold their hand, Mm -hmm. keep them safe. Notice when their tricky times with a sibling are, right? 
I'm going to fill in that responsibly until they can adopt those skills themselves. And inhibiting those impulses is the most important thing, not punishing them. They should not be punished for their impulses because they were natural. The work that is required by us as their parents is to help them inhibit the impulse by being present with a loving right. and positive environment. Yeah. yeah. Someone says, hi, when my typically very verbal five-year-old is upset, he grunts, gestures, refuses to speak. It breaks my heart. I want to feel like he can talk to me. Mm, yeah. I totally hear that. Oh, man. I mean, he sounds like he might be sensitive, right? He sounds like when he's stressed, he <clears> when he's stressed, talk about it. I mean, all of us, when we're really struggling um, and we're in a fight or flight response, so our nervous system has gone into kind of overwhelmed mode, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have the words as adults and kids do have even fewer words to yeah. communicate and express themselves. And so what they use are nonverbal communication, uh, grunting, spitting, like we mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. uh, throwing things, kicking, right? Whining, crying. Those are nonverbal communications to say, I'm struggling and I need yeah. help. And my, the part of my brain that's happening right now where all my focus is, is not uh, in the communication mode. Yeah. I right? think it's so natural for us to focus on. Use your words. Tell me what's going on. What's wrong? Just say it. Um, yeah. But uh, one of our favorite uh, accounts on Instagram uh, from Seed and So talks about those sensory, mm -hmm. all the sensory input stuff, and saying yeah. like when kids are dysregulated, they cannot access the part of their right. brain to use words. Right. First, they're feeling it in their body. Then they're recognizing maybe emotions, and then they actually can access mm -hmm. words to talk about those needs. But it's it's all of these levels of access that we basically have to be there supporting them to explore, to um, come upon, to um, examine and, and bring out. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's us. And that's just such a hard pill to swallow. It's being hard like, being the access point, <clears throat> yeah. right? Our kids can't access all of their bottom up and top down needs mm -hmm. until we do it with them and for them. And yeah. that's what we're truly doing in our role as parents is we're building their nervous system for them. Mm-hmm. We're building it. We are the architects of our child's nervous system yeah. and their skills around that nervous system to see that nervous system through. We see so often people saying, but I want them to be resilient. They need to have a, a strong nervous system, emotional intelligence, grit, all of these things. So I want to just push them out there. I want to say, so do it. You have to be strong. You have to be resilient. You have to have grit. You have to do all these things. Mm -hmm. And it's so it's so understandable that we think in these ways, but research shows, every everything shows that we need to be that person supporting mm -hmm. next to them, nurturing that, doing that. We never knew we signed on for this shit, right? It's a lot. It's a lot. You're doing yeah. an amazing job. We had a couple wins farther up. Um, we have a couple of people asking to join too. I think we're going to wait on that right now. We've been getting like some hiccups in our internet when we have people join. So we're working on fixing that. Um, yeah. And I'm sorry we can't have you on, but maybe send us a little note about what's happening for you. Yeah. Someone says, when my daughter replies so well to me using this style of parenting, she uses her words more than hitting now and even reminds me to take a breath when she thinks I'm frustrated. Amazing. Amazing. Beautiful. Someone says, "Is it compliant robot kids so is compliant robot kids so bad?" Ha ha. Just kidding. Same question is above. Hard boundary setting, like pushing. We mm -hmm. can't we can't set a boundary on kids to not push. We can't say 
So no pushing. You can't push. We have to be there. We have to be helping them. Mm-hmm. They're telling us with their body language that they need help. Right. It's like it's support. like a, a, a baby sitting in a, a high chair who has a spoon and wants to hit it and do all this or stuff. Or they just keep tipping over. Or, or you can't be like, don't tip over. I'm setting a boundary. <laughs> right. Don't tip over in your chair. They're doing the best they can all the time with the body and the skills they have, right? We're going to help feed them. We're going to say, oh, this is the spoon for your mouth. Mm -hmm. You're wanting to hit something else. I can give you something else. That's the same thing with pushing. We cannot test our kids and test their limits, right? We know what they are. They're showing us what they're capable of. So we need to step in as that that proxy. It's so easy for us as like when we have babies to be like, oh, exactly what I'm seeing. They're showing me where they, where their needs are. They're showing me where their lagging skills are and they get a little older and they get a little wiser and they get a little more words. They get a little wilier. They wear like jeans. Yeah. Like, you know, they can maybe put their shoes on all by themselves. They've got um, a few like cute little like catchphrases they got going on. And we're like, obviously they should know better. And, and that's like the most fucked up term of all time is that they should know better. They, they shouldn't. Don't. They don't. And that's okay. Right? They just need <clears throat> our help. They're just struggling like any human being, mm-hmm. especially kids, mini brain, no impulse control, tiny prefrontal cortex. The only way they'll it's know tough. better is to learn better. And the way they learn better is through connection, not mm-hmm. correction. Yeah. Someone says, keeping calm when they're having emotional moment from touching raw chicken and daddy yelling and listening to loving and calming connection, not easy at times, yeah. but trying to be, be understanding, so loving great. and calm. So everyone stays calm. Yes. Love it. Love it. Yeah. We can be that, that leader for our family, for not just our kids, but for our partners. We can try to step into our power and project that it's going to be okay. I'm on top of this. This is so this is normal. This is so and normal, natural. right? We, we, instead of clicking into hall monitor, <clears throat> police, judge and jury referee mode we don't want to be that right we want to be the cool calm emt or ceo or er doc being like seen this a million times here's what we're gonna do it's gonna be okay that's us at our best in those hard moments we're also not in accomplice mode where we're like oh it's okay honey just let it happen yeah we we have a plan we've got a, a meta understanding of this kid's development and situation right yeah Someone says, my spirited kiddo was so upset over blocks not fitting correctly, and I'm so triggered by yelling, and instead of matching his stress, I said, wow, you're so mad. As mad as a giant dinosaur, he laughed. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. Way to go. Someone says, Wynn, my son that usually gets very angry when shuts down around his feelings, was able to share he was feeling disappointed and sad about a boundary I set. Beautiful. That's so wonderful. Well done. Oh, well done. Someone else validated that saying that's so awesome. Hard work. It's paying off. Yeah, yeah. it's paying off. Yep. Someone said the, the example of language for sensitive <clears throat> kids is helpful. Great. Download our elements of respect. We have, uh, and any of our guides have lots mm-hmm. of language examples. That's something we've noticed that we personally need. Yeah. And that a lot of folks we work with in this upbringing community really need too. Is like, mm-hmm. okay, I've got the belief, but what do I say? What's an inspiring phrasing that mm-hmm. I can kind of alter and fine tune um, in my conversations with my kids yeah. where it's not a top down, do this, but now it's a conversation. I'm still holding down the, the limit or the boundary, mm-hmm. but I want you to learn through this challenge. Yeah. So I'm going to have a conversation with you about but it. But I think so much is about tone. We talk about tone so often. Yeah. And, uh, we learn so much from Janet Lansbury uh, in the Rye world 
and her tone on the Unruffled podcast. We haven't listened for quite some time, but we really recommend it. And I think tone is something that people come back to um, with us to say, just hearing you being neutral, hearing you say, this isn't a big deal with the way that you're saying the words helps me. You're safe. It's okay. Dial it down, Mm -hmm. right? It's connected to all these mantras that we try to run through our brains in those toughest moments with our kids, their big feelings, their challenging behaviors. We try to be thinking, this is not an emergency. Usually it's not. It's going to be okay. Everyone's doing their best. All emotions are welcome. I want to be parenting side by side. This whole thing is is playing the long game. This is not about immediate obedience and conformity. Right? I want to be connecting my kid to their inner wisdom and authority and helping them tune in instead of constantly <clears throat> tune out, basically, to whatever everyone else needs for them. Mm-hmm. What else? We've got so many. Those so are many. the things that go through my mind in the moments that I want to lose my shit, mm-hmm. or I am losing my shit. Mm-hmm. Someone says, my four-year-old spirited daughter has just been straight up ignoring me. I've tried talking with her on on her level, connecting with her physically, and then when she ignores me long enough, I dole out see here dole out consequences she still ignores me and just totally and yelling yelling. not my finest moments sure and she just totally ignores me and goes about her biz what can i try when i need to communicate with her? what are you trying to communicate yeah that would be good to know i think that it's it's so tricky i mean i think um ignoring again is a form of communication it's saying a lot of things it's saying when our kid ignores us it's saying uh, i'm not ready to listen to you i'm busy what you're saying i don't like the way you're saying it or the approach you're taking i don't like the thing you're talking about and i'm struggling to feel confident in doing whatever it is Mm -hmm. bath bed cleaning up whatever there's so many things at play and i think that uh, when our kid ignores us, instead of putting more pressure on them to listen, I think we mm-hmm. have to listen to ourselves. That's what we're called to do in those moments and say, what am I saying? How am I saying it? Why am I saying it? Mm-hmm. When am I saying it? Yeah. <clears throat> All of those things and, and ask ourselves those questions to think, I have a sensitive and spirited child and they're showing me through ignoring me. Maybe they, that's amazing. They're not saying shut up mommy or hitting us or doing those mm-hmm. things. So props to them. But I think oftentimes it's also just a coping mechanism that our kids have. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they can hold it in, that they are saying, this is too much for me. I, I can't handle this for whatever yeah. reason. And I think right? like so many of those things you were talking about is the respect step of our resist yeah. approach saying, how's my invitation? Have I given them information about what I'm needing, when I'm needing it, what's going to happen in do, their life? Do they have agency and have they? Yeah. do they have buy-in in whatever's happening next? Yeah. Why are they ignoring me right now? What's going right. on? It's not that they disrespect <clears throat> me. It's not that they're brats. It's not that they're all these things, which I know that's what you know that that's not those things. But that, that's right. where our mind jumps yeah. to. But usually yeah. it, the focus for me in those moments is less trying to find the answers for my child who has very, and, very little self-awareness, right? They're just responding based and, on their needs. And less repeating the thing you need over and over, right. which they've already heard. So hold up on that, mm-hmm. get accessing our child for the answer, and back to self-awareness mode. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Why is this happening? Taking mm-hmm. a chill pill about it. I just said chill pill. I love and that. And then leaning in with connection. Yeah. Instead of saying, why don't, aren't you getting your shoes on? Or why don't you want to go to <clears> school? <throat> or Why won't you clean up your room? Or why aren't you listening to me about this next thing that's happening that we need to happen? Mm -hmm. We say, what are you doing? What's going on? Mm -hmm. 
what's what I'm going to tune into your world, whatever that is, whatever it looks like right now. I'm going to get a little silly. I'm going to get there in the innovate step and do something funny, like slide in like this on the floor rather than or do a funny voice rather or, than continue to exert my expectation over you, mm-hmm. which you can sense that agenda coming from a mile away if you're a spirited and sensitive kid. I'm going to consider and I hope to understand your expectations. What's going on? And not even mm-hmm. doing it that directly because most spirit and sensitive kids talking about things like very specific. What were you thinking? Why much? do you need this? Why aren't you listening Why to me? Why won't you answer me? Yeah. Those things. But just getting into play, getting into their world, mm-hmm. spending a few minutes, right? If we can and saying, is this an emergency? What my agenda item is, mm-hmm. what my expectation is. If it's feeling like an emergency, next time I need to begin earlier, right? And I think yeah. often with sensitive and spirited kids too, so much of the work we do in our minds instinctually needs to be done in the moment. But oftentimes, mm-hmm. because our kids are sensitive and spirited, they're asking us to drop the expectations in the moment or move forward without a lot of word and fanfare and then get back to them, right? Uh, outside the moment in the circle back in our trust step of the resist approach. And that's when we connect. That's when we put the pieces together. That's when we tell them, hey, bath time's been hard lately. What would work for you? What do you need? I want to understand you. I am the boss that I wish I had who cares about their employees and wants to to keep them happy and understand what their needs are so they do their work better. I am the the coach, right? The athletic coach who's saying, I want you to perform at your best and I want to understand where your struggles and limitations are, right? I don't want to intimidate you. I don't want to make you feel like you're not meeting my expectations. I just, I, I want to connect in that way. Like we're all of these roles. Think about all these mentorship roles that we have and that we've experienced as adults. Think about the mentorship role we can have with our kid and being side by side with them and saying, this bad time thing, it's you, it's me. What can we do to make this better? What's mm-hmm. up? How's it going? Yeah. Someone says, my nine-year-old and five-year-old are still needing us to sleep with them. Mm-hmm. Any advice? Yeah. <clears throat> That's a lot. And I think that it, I think there's so many uh, kind of intricate um, um, kind of nuances that are at play. So it's, it's kind of a big question to be asking. But I think that talking to your kids about their needs. I think you and I always Mm -hmm. go back to the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. We're parenting for sanity and social change with our kids, one conversation at a time. And I think oftentimes we were just talking in this last moment about not having a conversation in the moment Mm -hmm. and creating some self-awareness about why this must be. So asking yourself why they might still be wanting uh, you to sleep with them. And then talking to them, not in the moment, but outside the moment. Mm-hmm. So this sleep <clears> thing. Yeah, I'm curious what if are, there's been resistance about dialing things back or if it's just you're like, I'm at a place where I yeah. want to change, change things up. And But yeah. yeah, I like that idea. Five and nine-year-olds could absolutely come to the table and say, hey, we've been doing this thing. I've been thinking, what if we did this instead? Or mm-hmm. what would? You, what, how could you picture bedtime in this new world that's not that different, that we can meet all of our needs. Mm-hmm. What could we try? I, I loved lying with you until you fall asleep every night. It's, it's such a special time for us. And then I, I've had these new things that I need to be doing, and I'm, I'm wanting to make sure that mm-hmm. you're falling asleep independently and that I'm able to do my independent work after. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm wanting to find some way where we can make that work. What can we do with my five-year-old and nine-year-old? Mm-hmm. What do you think? What are, why are you wanting me to be there? I know it's because that's what I've always done, but what could we be doing? How could we mm-hmm. be, be, be doing this where we, I'm ten, it's 10 minutes cuddling with you and then mm-hmm. I pop out for a minute. Here's back, this idea I, I have. Fading. So right. I have this idea for a plan. Right. Here's the lineup of the night. With a five-year-old, you can even draw it. You can have them write it out. 
So we do a couple books, so we cuddle up, so we do the things, and then I rub your back for a little bit, and then I'm going to go start dinner for Papa and me, or I'm going to go um, brush my teeth and start getting ready for bed, or I'm going to go pick up the house a little bit, but I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a little different than what we did before. What but do I'm you sh- think about that? What, what are, are your th- worries about <clears throat> it? Yeah. What do you think? And then saying, can we set that in, in motion? Can we, we try it? Let's try it Let's out. Let's just try it as an experiment. Starting that conversation, bringing our kid in as an mm-hmm. ally in this new change, right? Mm-hmm. Giving them some agency in how a transition is going to look and how, and ultimately letting them communicate how that feels. Even yeah. if we need to set that, that boundary or that loving limit on what bedtime is becoming over time. Mm-hmm. Someone says, what are your thoughts on how to respond when your child asks, does that make you sad? Is mommy sad when they're pushing our boundaries? It's mm-hmm. a balance between being authentic and an unruffled leader. Oh, I get yeah. that so much. <clears throat> love I, that. I love that your child is sensing um, that you are having some feelings about them pushing back against a boundary, whatever that is. And I love that our kids can be that cue to be like, oh gosh, maybe I'm like exuding this thing that I wasn't quite sure I was exuding necessarily. Um, and I think that that I like to turn that question back on my kids and be like, do I seem sad? Or why, why would I be sad? Mm-hmm. Or I, I try to just dive into neutralville and just be like, I'm doing okay. Right. I'm just, we're, we're both struggling a little bit. And I try to keep it like a neutral struggling conversation. Right. I think kids can suss out our authenticity. They can suss yeah. out when we're struggling and we don't want to be fake with our kids. Right. Mm-hmm. So we want to acknowledge, we don't, we can't just like barf all over them and yell at them and prioritize our needs over theirs. Mm-hmm. No, we're the one responsible. We, we're the caregiver. So we have to prioritize theirs over ours in a lot of ways. But that doesn't mean if they're noticing that we're struggling through something, I, I think that they, they would really struggle to think, oh my gosh, I'm, I, I can't trust my mom because she feels a certain way and I can feel it, but she's not telling me those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think at a certain level, we have to have some sort of um, <clears throat> transparency but a respectful transparency with mm-hmm. our kids in saying, I'm, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed about this situation. Mm-hmm. And so I'm taking a deep breath so that I can feel calmer inside yeah, and be able to talk to you about this. <sighs> I'm struggling to support you right now. <clears throat> I want to help you. I want I want us to figure this thing out. And I think I might need to mm-hmm. take a breath or I might need to step out of the room or whatever mm-hmm. it is has really helped us. So yeah. we don't feel like a doormat. We don't feel like we're putting on some fake unruffled, um, like persona, but we're also not being like what you did pissed me off Mm -hmm. or you're so disappointing to me and slipping into that shame Mm -hmm. role or that shame and blame. Our kids ultimately shouldn't be responsible for making us feel better, happy, worthy. We don't want to get into that territory with them because that is how we raise a codependent people pleaser, right? Mm -hmm. Because they depend on us for their survival their primary attachment is with us. So if we're unhappy based on something they did all the time, then to survive, they're going to continue to prioritize everything they do to please other person. Or they're not because they can't yeah. and they're going to feel shitty about not being able to do it. Yeah. Right. So we don't want to do that. I think that finding that happy medium yeah. where we just say we're struggling about a situation. That's yeah. kind of how we go about and it. And we pull the plug personally and set a personal boundary if we have to step out or create some space or do our self-reg game. Yes. Right. Someone says, here's a win. My two-year-old was upset. And then my five-year-old put her arm around her and said softly, what do you need? 
when I saw that, I knew my five-year-old is really internalizing that message. Oh my Beautiful. gosh, that's so amazing. Oh my gosh. What do you DM need? us that. I want to share that with our community. That is so beautiful. Little kids asking each other what they need. That's like, do you think <laughs> that just goal. came out of nowhere? No. no. It was the investment that you've made to ask your children what they need when they're struggling. And they see that. Yeah. I think the, one of the biggest influences in our kids' sibling relationship is how we as a parent interact with them individually one-on-one mm -hmm. because the other kids watch, right? Yeah. And that's how they treat one another is based on how we as the parent are treating them individually. Yeah. But it's also connected to a greater issue of we all culturally see these behaviors like waves on the water and we're so intent on them. We're so triggered by them. We're, we're seeing these things we want to stop and we're recognizing the impact of those. That's all we focus on. Yeah. They're splashing, they're hurting, they're getting things wet. They're all these things. And everything we're trying to do is to put our little goggles on and go below the waves and say, what are they needing? What's going What's on under cause? here? What are the swirls of water? What are the eddies? What are the waves um, generating? What is making this thing happen down mm -hmm. here? What That's is what, driving this behavior? Because, what is driving these feelings, these words, whatever it is? Right. If we can gain awareness of what our kids need, that's the root cause of their behaviors, not only can we help them meet that need, but as we're helping them meet that need, they're learning how to meet that need themselves. And they're building an infrastructure to not just meet their own needs, but to meet other people's needs really adaptively as they grow older. Yeah. It's a win-win. This work matters. I love hearing those those wins. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, the earlier mom said, yes, he can't access his words. The yeah. one, the kid that was grunting and having a hard time when they were struggling. I'm new to all of this and it's so helpful to have this framing. He's so smart and my expectations are too high. Sure. It's okay. Someone says a partner who doesn't parent the way at all. And I can't tell it's because their parent didn't do this. With I, can them. I can tell it's because their parent didn't do this with them and they just don't get it. Um, or understand the value. Yeah, absolutely. Totally get that. Mm -hmm. And um, we're someone, working on a mini guide for partners. Yeah. Um, because they're just like our kids, like everyone's doing the best they can with what they've got. And we've all been conditioned with these beliefs. And it's a, a slow burn, it's a practice, it's a long game, right? So let's keep doing doing what we need to do as, as a parent who can lead with influence. And then connecting with our partner, just like we would with our kids in the resist approach and saying, how was your childhood? What are you mm. needing? What do you believe about our kids? Let's talk about this. I want to be kind of this co-learner with you and support you in however I can, right? Mm. This or, isn't you fucking up, <clears throat> right? Yeah. Um, or take you to therapy. Whatever. It's a good thing, too. Um, someone says, thanks, babe. So happy to see these live. <clears throat> oh, so happy Same. to be here. Someone says, yes, the answer is in our own awareness. Lead with connection. Love it. Yeah. Um, someone says, sometimes I, I say, excuse me, in a carefree, funny voice, and she just laughs <laughs> and stops doing what she was doing without being a big deal. Oh, never underestimate the power of a sense of humor, oh my gosh. of play, right? I think oftentimes our kids do crazy shit, and we're like, I got to get serious on this. I've got to dig I'm in and bring it them. up to here. I'm taking this up a notch in the seriousness department because I'm so yeah. stressed about what this could mean it's about my to, child. It's going to 11. we got to teach here. This right. is a teachable moment. But I th it seems really permissive to say I'm actually going to take a step back and engage with my child in a connective way through play, through humor, right, through curiosity, mm -hmm. through all these other ways that that's actually how kids learn without damaging their self-concept in our relationship. Yeah, right? we, we've all been taught that... We have to control. We have to teach in a firm, stern, 
uh, way. Mm-hmm. So they learn those lessons. Gosh, we got to get in there and be like, this is the line. This is what I need. This is what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so hard thinking, what? We can, we can accomplish those <clears throat> behavioral um, skill-based learning tasks while connecting while being funny while being close kids are like these like magical unicorns like you can't teach them and connect with them through anger and through explicit wording and through power you have to communicate with them on their magical terms Mm -hmm. on their sensitive terms on their spirited terms that is the language the love language the grow language that they have and that's the beauty of all of us is that they're teaching us this new language that is less about what you see, the visible world, these behaviors. Mm-hmm. It's more about what you feel and what you need because that's at the heart of what we all do, right? On a daily basis. We do all this crazy shit to meet our needs, to meet all the magical things that white patriarchy tells us to ignore. Yeah. I love that it's connecting us back to our like kid selves though. Yeah, I love it. <clears throat> and it's not permissive. So many people are like, but you're like, you're like pandering and playing with them when they're doing stuff you don't want. That's like, the, you got to just dive in there. And it's, it's not, not permissive. permissive. It's productive. It's productive. Yeah. In so many ways. Thank you. Thank you so much for your advice. I grew up in a shame oriented household where parental expectations and needs took priority. And I want my kids needs to come first. But because of my childhood, I feel like I'm spoiling them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. We were just talking about it's that. It's important to me to establish and maintain limits and boundaries, but I don't know how to do it without forcing the prioritization of my needs and expectation over theirs. And that's the beauty. There's more. Even my own language feels wrong and harmful. Just trying to express. Thank you both. Thank you for being here. We all struggle with this so much. You are not alone in feeling that. Yeah. Someone else added same question. My husband says we're creating a disrespectful brat after I refuse to enforce consequences or punish our four-year-old. Yeah, that's the belief system, right? And none of that, that belief system is based on our own conditioning through childhood and even our social and cultural conditioning to a certain extent. When Mm -hmm. you think about like the way the police force or certain institutions Mm -hmm. work, right? But then we think about what actual research and science show, which unfortunately is less popular, right? It's not out there as much yet, Mm -hmm. but it's growing and growing and growing. And they're showing all this research that shows that it's actually the opposite, right? If we want to raise kids who are confident, who are self-directed, who are resilient, who are empathetic, who are respectful, right? Who are responsible. Everything that happens there has to come from a place of connection, not correction, Mm -hmm. right? We have to focus on connection. That is how human beings thrive is through connection with other humans. Yeah. And that's how our kids <clears throat> in this attachment relationship learn best, period. Yeah. But so much of that is sacrificing our own expectations um, or kind of negotiating our own expectations. I think yeah. we go into those things and we're like, oh, I have this idea that this thing has to happen. So them or me, if my kid won't mm-hmm. do this, then a consequence or boundary has to happen. Right. And they're showing me they can't do it. So I'm in this corner. What do I do? And I think that's where we have to say, we're playing in the gray. We're in here together. It's never just me or just you. We have to find that, um, that communion together through the resist approach or any other model of saying my needs matter. Your needs matter. Let's figure this out. Right. And it's so hard with our partners and other people who aren't used to this. And I think that in those conversations, we can say, yes, you're conditioned to a behaviorist model of do this, don't do this. 
lab rats, lab mice. This is how this is this is how animals s- learn. This is right? how animals learn is burning them when they don't do something we want, right? right. But, but our goals are beyond immediate compliance yeah. and conformity. Our goals are raising a human being who understands and values themselves, who can communicate yeah. their needs adaptively, right? Who can understand because they had that inner wisdom and authority. They can understand other people and value their needs and their opinions, right? Yeah, but that that asks us to change our entire role. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to be that person saying, what are my needs? How do I want to communicate that respect Mm -hmm. respectfully? How can I engage in this conversation? Basically, all our dreams for our kids to do, we have to be doing right now whenever Mm -hmm. we can. Mm -hmm. Not assuming the power figure of an adult in charge of a parent snapping down it it asks us to totally rework this idea of what is teaching what is modeling what is being that influence to our kids who do i want to be right and understanding developmentally like most of our partners have no clue what our kids need developmentally they have no idea about a kid's brain how it develops they don't like here's what happened to me here's what i've seen on tv shows so um your respectful way just doesn't seem to be quote-unquote working and we have lots of resources on our on our website at upbringing.co that talk about it and you can even just google it and say why punishments don't work why consequences don't work and you can find really great stuff that have multiple reasons Mm -hmm. through them and we're creating our own mini guide to give to partners to say these beliefs are not real that you're holding on to them tight. I did too, but they're actually not based in research and science mm-hmm. and our kids' best interests and our family's best interests, mm-hmm. right? But it's a, it's a big conversation and we see you and we honor that struggle. A lot of us have been through that. It's no joke. Yeah. Good Someone job. said my oldest five-year-old was pissed at me and wanted to bite me. So I said in a funny voice, oh my, I'm not a pancake. I'm your mother. <laughs> and he loved it and completely <clears throat> turned around. My husband yeah. struggles with this method of parenting as well. Yeah, sure. Ashley said, I'm totally writing down that my kid is a magical <laughs> uniform, a unicorn, sorry, and I can meet her in her own little magical world. She really is a North Star. I love you guys Aww. so dang much. Thank you. Thank you. Someone yeah. else says thank you. All kids are magical unicorns, and sensitive and super spirited kids are like, Super, super extraterrestrial, human. superhuman baby. <laughs> they like, are calling amazing. us. They're calling us in. They're calling us <clears throat> out. They're saying, mom, dad, caregiver, I need you up here. I need you to get in there, lean in, grow I need yourself. you to work with, not against my mm-hmm. brilliance and my beautiful wildness. Yeah. Right? Because that is what's going to see me through, not just our relationship in a beautiful way, but into the future. It's going to help me influence all of these people saying our inner wisdom and authority matters. And we have skills to connect Mm -hmm. our needs to other people's needs in ways that don't create war and total disconnect, right? What's going on right now? That's the white patriarchy model that we're trying to dismantle. That's the white patriarchy model that's in our uh, traditional and conventional discipline practices. It's in our instinct. To, to feel and believe that are, we're dealing with our husbands to saying, but what about this? But what about that? It's so natural to believe these mm-hmm. things, right? Yeah. And it's so natural to see our kids, especially the spirited ones, behaviors as like, oh, rule breaking, <clears throat> pushing back on everything. They're so stubborn. They're such a pain in the butt. They're so loud. They're so needy. They're yeah. so whiny. They're so rude. Basically, all of the things we prize for a grown-ass human being. 
right? And how do we support those things now? How do we fan that flame mm-hmm. of our kids' fierce spirit as a kid while also getting shit done? Keeping those boundaries and limits Building in Building awareness around the right. impact of how they're rolling in the world, what their needs are, how it affects other people. Yeah. Doing it and creating safety around growth. But that's it, right? is being that neutral, loving, warm presence that says, this is all safe. You are 100% you, and I love that. Mm-hmm. I love every impulse you have. We're going to work with it, not against it. We're, we're going to work we're on gonna those We're going to explore skills. it. We're going to find out what you're needing. We're going to find out ways to adaptively get those needs met. I'm with you. We're partners in this. That's how growth is made, through connection. And yeah. when, when we use control instead, which comes so easily and instinctually to us, that is where the learning goes down. That is where the self-concept and and inner wisdom goes down. That is where the relationship between us goes down, right? We don't want any of that. We want to be elevating everybody, right? And I want to say as we're wrapping this up that it's never too late. Yeah. Ever. So we've been parenting through control, through abusive power, through patriarchy, through racism. Mm -hmm. That's okay. So we've done it in a day. So we've done it for 10 years. So we've lived that our whole lives. It doesn't matter. We can change the way that we interact with any human being, our kids, our older kids, our siblings, our partners, our parents. We can be saying, I love you and here's what I'm needing. And I'm gonna hold a boundary, a personal boundary for myself. We can look at our kid and say, I know that you need to learn these things. So I'm gonna do that side by side with you when I can Mm -hmm. so that it's a safe psychological space for you to grow, right? We can say that I'm gonna shatter all of these these um, impulses to pull rank, to be a power player, to, to say that you're not enough or you weren't good enough in this moment when you did this thing. All of that can go away. We don't have to lean on any of that in any moment that we're parenting or having a relationship with another person. We can just say, here's what I'm needing <clears throat> and here's what I see you needing. Let's start a conversation about it. I love it. And in those moments when we don't start a conversation, when we have this one-way exchange, when we lose our shit, when we do Mm -hmm. that, we have to keep remembering that in parenting, there's always tomorrow. Mm -hmm. In parenting, there's always five minutes from now. (laughs) In parenting, we are locked in this relationship. Our child did not choose us, right? They're in this, surviving. And we Mm -hmm. have this responsibility having brought them into our home, right? That, that we get to be responsible and also human and growing up alongside them in this process, giving ourselves grace, taking deep breaths, doing our personal work. Apologizing right? a lot. Apologizing <laughs> when we can, right? We're doing the work and we're proud of you, right? This is such amazing work you're all doing in, in deciding to go about this a different way than you were raised or that you see your neighbors or your siblings or your friends doing in really honoring and reigniting your own inner wisdom and inner authority as you're honoring and nurturing it in your kids. It is beautiful and really, really critical work that we're doing to be raising a generation of privileged kids from privileged parents who can be looking at power in a different way and using that power in a different way. That's what we're teaching in choosing powers beyond control in our discipline. This matters. Yeah, and it all begins with us. It and really just like does. to cycle back into that one last thing. Yeah. It all begins with our own self-care, our own yeah. self-regulation, our own ability to say, who do I want to be? Who's the leader that I want to um, embody mm-hmm. in this way, right? 
And how can I, in those moments of struggle, be as neutral and as warm as I can, step out if I have to, and always know that I can come back and teach or discipline, quote unquote, later. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be doing that in, in the heat of the moment, ever. Yeah. It's okay to just let it go. It's not permissive. They're not going to not learn. <clears throat> right. And that's why okay. when we focus on connection, we don't have to be teaching anything in the moment. We just have to be with them. Yeah. Right. It's beautiful. Thanks for all your, your loves, your hearts. They feel really good. Yeah. Someone said, I just joined. Did I miss it? Will y'all keep this up? And yes. And then someone else mentioned they save them to Instagram and then come out as a podcast episodes. Yep. We always keep these babies. Someone said, this work is changing my life. Thank you both so much. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Someone else said, love the grace and hope you spread so much. Someone else said, yes. Someone else said, apologizing a lot. Love the apologies. <laughs> Keep love them coming. It. And then someone else said, so healing for me as a parent and also for my inner child. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. Thank you all for being thank here. You. We're all doing this work together. We're all growing up together. We're all in this together. You're not alone. Join the club. Sensitive and spirited parents and kids. Yeah. Right? <laughs> We're doing club. this. It's a big club. Yeah. We're happy to have you here. Someone says, so grateful for these. I work late on the East Coast most nights, but I'm sitting here with you guys procrastinating. Oh, You're resting. You're not procrastinating. That's white patriarchy. Yeah. Whatever you need to do right now. Uh, can wait. Right? You're needing to do what you're doing right now, which is what we're trying to extend to our kids. Yeah. What they're doing, they're needing to do very often. Right? Get curious about it. Acknowledge it. Validate it. Someone says, yes, I've been experiencing this with my kids, allowing space for my kids to process while I process as well. Beautiful. We've got the space. We've got the time. There's no rush. There's no hurry. Yeah. We can just kind of let the pressure off. That's our goal. Yeah. Um, We're offering 20% off our big feelings guide this week because we've all got a lot of big feelings going on. It busts three big beliefs. I think a lot of folks have been uh, bringing their partners into this guide Mm -hmm. and talking about it. What do we believe? What's actually uh, at play with research and with science? What anger, meltdowns, tantrums, whining, sadness, anxiety, so many things. And then aside from the traditional model, the control model, what can we be doing? So we have offered 10 steps with with kind of freeze uh, options and support, a lot of side-by-sides, right? Looking at all our questions that we never get to everything, (laughs) but we will, everybody. Um, Keep showing up. We'll be back. Someone says, thank you, thank you, love you. We love you too. We're all here together, Mm -hmm. sending so much love and gratitude, camaraderie uh, in this club that we're all in. We're showing up and growing up together. Yeah. We'll be back on Thursday um, here on Instagram and yeah, later on the podcast. One of the days. Thank you all for being here. We'll see you all soon. Bye.